0: Well, good evening. Good to see everybody here tonight. It's been a beautiful day outside, hasn't it? Just amazing with just a few degrees in the temperature, a little drop in the humidity, how much better that feels. I got it running about 7.30 this morning. It felt great. It felt great. Get a hymn on turn number 536. Have faith in God. 536. uh, We'll do a couple of verses of this, and then we'll turn over to 548 as the deer do a couple of verses of that, 536 through the first and the last verses, let's stand together. Mm-hmm. My, that was one of my favorite songs when I was growing up Have Faith in God and I turn to 548 As the Deer and let's, let's do all three of the verses do all three of the verses 548
1: As the You're my friend and you are my brother even though
0: song as a deer pants for the water so we ought to pant after God and hunger and thirst after God let's pray together father we do thank you so much that uh, we can trust you no matter what comes help us to have faith in you because you never fail father we pray for that that longing within us that we will long after you and thirst after you constantly father thank you for the opportunity we have to come together tonight to open your word, to study together, to encourage each other. And Father, we ask you to bless our time of prayer tonight also as we lift up prayer concerns. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We've been in a Wednesday night series in the book of Isaiah, so turn to chapter 38 of Isaiah tonight. Chapter 38. I want to remind you that uh, chapters 36 through 39 are like an historical interlude. There's a historical narrative, historical events that took place during the reign of King Hezekiah. Of course, uh, Isaiah's prophetic ministry spanned the several kingships, and one of them was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the righteous kings uh, over the nation. Uh, chapters 36 and 37, we looked at these last week. Uh, this was a time when Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrian army, and they were, they were miraculously delivered by God. And then chapter 38 is about Hezekiah's illness and his recovery. He goes through a time of illness. In fact, he's almost at death's door. But uh, God spares him and actually adds years to his life. Now, the biblical writers, when they recorded narratives or recorded these kinds of things, they weren't always concerned with strict chronology. We're used to everything being right in chronological order, aren't we? Well, that's just not the way the biblical writers thought. They didn't think so much in chronological terms. They might uh, put things in different orders for different reasons. They may have a theological reason for having things in a certain order. So they weren't concerned strictly with with chronology. So uh, this time of illness in chapter 38, and uh, you'll see it as we get into the chapter, it seems like it must have taken place either right before the siege of Jerusalem or during the siege when they were surrounded by the Assyrian army. It seems to be in the context of that situation there. And we'll see why as we come to it. So look at verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, "Thus says the Lord: Set your house in order, for you shall die, and not live." Now that's sobering, isn't it? That's sobering. And we're not told that this, this is any kind of judgment on Hezekiah for sin or anything like that. Uh, now sometimes. It was. There were times in the Bible where someone was ill because of, as a result of sin. But that's certainly not always the case. That's not the case here. It's not God's judgment for sin. But we all are mortal, aren't we? We all are terminal. Now we know that up here, don't we? But knowing the reality of that is different, because for. A long time in our lives, usually death is something that's just out there somewhere. It's somebody we don't know that dies. But then as years go on, death starts to circle closer and closer to us. And uh, then people that we know begin to die. Uh, And then family. And then it gets closer and closer to us, and someday it's going to be us. Someday it's going to go up, it, it will be us. None of us knows when we're going to die, do we? Can we know we're going to die? None of us know. We don't know the circumstances or when it will happen. Your life's like a vapor that appears for a short time and vanishes away, the Bible says. Boast not yourself of tomorrow. You know not what a day may bring forth. But what if you got a word from God like Hezekiah did here? And he says, put your house in order. Set your house in order. What would that mean and how would you go about that? What would you need to do? What would that... Say to you, imagine it must have been a tremendous wake-up call to him. Uh, I know my dad, uh, actually he had two bouts with cancer before he died. One was in 1993, and then in 1995, September of that year, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and it was pretty advanced by the time they found it. So I remember going and talking to the doctor myself one-on-one, and I said, I, I know you can't put a date on things, you, know, you-, you can't tell exactly, but can you give me a general idea how much time you think he may have left he said well he might make Christmas actually he only lived about a month after he was diagnosed he died October 24th but uh, when it comes down to that and uh, some of you have had family members faced with that where so cancer or something and you knew it was a terminal condition so you, you still didn't know exactly when but that that window had narrowed down quite a bit that had narrowed down so Here's Hezekiah's reaction in verses 2 and 3. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And Hezekiah at this time, he's not an old man who's lived his life out. He's in his his late 30s. He's a young man. And so he prays to God And here's God's response. Verse four, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of your father, David, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city. So that's what makes you think this happened possibly even during the siege or or before it because the Assyrian threat was there. And so he says, I'm going to add 15 years to your life, and also, I'm going to deliver this city. I'm going to deliver this city. So, did God change his mind? Hmm. (laughs) No, God never changes in his nature. God's essential nature does not change, cannot change. But sometimes God's actions change according to our response to him. Think about uh, Jonah, the story of Jonah. He goes to Nineveh with a message. His message is very simple. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That just sounded unconditional. Unconditional. But the people repented. The people turned, and it, it says that God relented concerning the calamity he was going to bring on them. The King James Version, I believe it says that God repented of the calamity he was going to bring on them to repent simply means to have a change of mind. But that was in, resp- in response to, uh, to man changing, to us changing our response. God never changes in nature. Because of that, sometimes he may respond to us differently according to how we react. If we repent, then he will forgive. He will withhold his judgment. So, now what happens here, this is interesting, because uh, it says here, I'll deliver the city. And here's what's interesting. What happened to Hezekiah here, God adding... 15 years to his life. He was at death's door. And uh, God's going to heal him, God's going to add years to his life, that may have been something of a symbolic act of what he was also going to do for Jerusalem, for the people of Judah. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, God adding years to his life. He's saying to Hezekiah, I'm going to give you another chance. You've got 15 additional years. He was saying to the nation, I'm, I will deliver this city from the Assyrians and you're going to have another chance. Now, if this did happen right before the siege or during the siege, well, that makes it a really meaningful incident, doesn't it? What was happening in, in uh, his life was mirroring what was going to happen to the people of uh, Jerusalem here. Now, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, they fell in 722 B.C. to the Assyrians. And this, this is uh, about 701, 702, 703 B.C., sometime right along in there. The southern kingdom is going to be delivered from the Assyrians, and they're, they're going to extend for quite a time. They will not fall. Jerusalem won't fall until 586 B.C. The southern kingdom won't fall completely until 586 B.C. So they lasted 136 years longer than the northern kingdom, in large part because they did have some righteous kings. The northern kingdom had no righteous kings whatsoever. Now the southern kingdom did have some righteous kings, one of them being Hezekiah, one of them being Hezekiah. So, uh, now look down uh, at the very end of the chapter, verses uh, 21-22. The chapter closes by saying, Now, Isaiah said, Let them uh, take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil, that he may recover. It. Hezekiah said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Now, if you turn back and look at the parallel account in 2 Kings chapter 20, you'll see that uh, he takes that section right there and puts it earlier in the account. In fact, just just hold your finger there and just turn back to 2 Kings chapter 20 and I'll show you what I'm talking about. 2 Kings chapter 20. Uh, look down at verse 4. Just start at verse 4. We'll start reading there. Hezekiah had gone out in the middle of the court. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you, on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I lay 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of, of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake, for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a cake of figs, they took it and laid it on the boil, And he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What will be the sign that the Lord will heal me, that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? So Hezekiah says, Okay, what's the sign? Well, uh, in 2 Kings, that's told to you right there. Uh, In Isaiah's account, he has it at the end of the chapter. So you can just kind of read those side by side and compare and see where they vary and where they're the same. Because they're telling the same story, but they give different details in a little bit different ways. So come back to chapter 38 now. So uh, he asks, what will be the sign? In verse 8, he tells him what the sign will be. Behold, I will cause a shadow on the stairway which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz to go back ten steps. So the sun's shadow went back ten steps on the stairway on which it had gone down. He backed the sun up. He backed the day up. Now, if you go and read Second uh, Kings 20, uh, he asked Hezekiah, you want me to make the shadow go forward or backward? God said, which, which, which would you want me to do, Hezekiah? <laughs> Hezekiah said, make it go backward. That's harder. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty incredible. So, God, it's like he's backing time up. It's like he's backing Hezekiah's life up and giving him some additional life some additional life. One of the tremendous miracles here, adding fifteen years to your life. Now, what Hezekiah does is he composes a psalm in response to this. And Second Kings it doesn't record this, but it does here in Isaiah. Uh, he speaks a, a psalm as a result of it. Uh, many times, you know, read the Psalms and many times there'll be this thing where you you have a guy who's in despair And it moves from despair through to hope through the psalm. If You've traced the psalm that way. It moves from despair to hope. That's what happens here. Verses 10 through 14, he talks about how he felt about his illness. And then uh, 15 to 20, it's gratitude to God for his recovery. Now, if you've known people who have had a close brush with death, and some of you have, it makes a different person out of you. It can really be a wake-up call to somebody. It can change their whole perspective about life can it? And it did for Hezekiah. It did for Hezekiah. So take a look at this, uh, starting at verse 9. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. Now he starts off just talking about how he felt about it. I said, in the middle of my life, I'm to enter the gates of Sheol. Sheol was the Hebrew word for the grave. I'm to be deprived of the rest of my years. I said, I will not see the Lord The Lord in the land of the living, I will look on man no more among the inhabitants of this world. He was distressed at at the thought of death and of being cut off in the prime of his life. Being cut off from relationships. Uh, Now, in in the Old Testament, there's not a complete picture of the afterlife. This is one reason why he's distressed over it. Then, in verse uh, 12, he pulls out a couple of just analogies to talk about his life and it coming to an end like a shepherd's tent my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me as a weaver I rolled up my life he cuts me off the loom from day until night you make an end of me it's like a shepherd's tent being taken down a tent something that's temporary you put up a tent and uh, then it's taken down and so many of the people there were, were shepherds uh, and their lifestyle was very mobile so their tent would be put up they would be taken down of course, you come to Second Corinthians chapter five. Paul uses that analogy about the death of a believer. We know if the earthly tent, which is our body, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He compares this body to a tent, and a tent's temporary, so it is taken down. And also, the uh, the picture there of being on a weaver's loom. You you would do a tapestry on a loom. Once you finish it, then you would you would cut it off the tapestry, and then Taking it would be soul. so it's like my life has been is now complete and it's, it's being cut off the loom so those two illustrations he uses of he saw his life being snatched away then verses 13 and 14 I compose my soul until morning like a lion so he breaks all my bones from day until night you shall make an end of me like a swallow like a crane so I Twitter I moan like a dove. My eyes look wistfully to the heights. O Lord, I'm oppressed. Be my security. He compares his pain to like one who's attacked by a lion or he feels like a helpless bird. He he cries out to God to be his security. So he's still expressing how he felt about death when, when he thought he was about to die. Then verse 15, what shall I say? For he has spoken to me and he himself has done it. God is the one who changed all this. God's the one who has saved my life. I'll wander about all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Now, the NIV translation uh, puts the last part of verse 15. It translates it this way. I'll walk humbly all my years because of the anguish of my soul. In other words, because of the anguish he had been through, facing death, having that staring him right in the face, that humbled him. He was going to walk in humility uh, the rest of his life. And then he goes on in uh, verse 16 down through 20. He's just expressing the fact that it it was God alone who delivered him. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these, in the life of my spirit, restore me to health and let me live. Lo, for my own welfare I had great bitterness. It is you who kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For you cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol, the grave, cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is the living who give thanks to you, as I do today. The Father tells his sons about your faithfulness. The Lord will surely save me, so we will play my songs on stringed instruments all the days of our life at the house of the Lord. So we had a new view on life, didn't he? He'd been humbled by this experience, and he was determined to use the the years he had left to serve God. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days, so we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to to number our days. You know, we as human beings, it's just a human thing. We tend to take life for granted, don't we? Uh, Until we see the possibility of it being taken from us. You know, when you're young, you know, been thinking philosophically about this lately. Now, I've shared this thought with several people. When, when you're young, you think you're going to live forever, don't you? And you think you're always going to be young, too. And, and you're young, seems for a good long time, and then you, you know, you're, you're young, and you're, then you're kind of a, a little bit older, but you're still kind of a young adult. You think of yourself being a young adult. And all of a sudden, you wake up one day, and you look in the mirror, and you realize you're old. <laughs> and you're thinking... I'm thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> what would you say? Oh, well, I didn't say that. You said, you said that I didn't. But all of a sudden you think, okay, how did this happen? What happened to the last 20 years? Did I, did I, did I go through a time warp or something? I mean, life is just like that. Life is like that. And you come to a point in life and you, you realize that you've got more days behind you than you have in front of you. That's sobering, isn't it? When you really think about it, you really think about it. Now, none of us knows, none of us knows how many days that we have. And I, I tell people at funerals all the time, I see you look at the obituaries any given day, you see just about as, as many younger people as you do older people. Diet is not just something old people do. It's something young people do, too. So, whatever time we have left, make the most of it. You've got to make the most of it. <clears throat> I had two very good pastor friends. Uh, this was the year before last, uh, two good pastor friends of mine who passed away very suddenly, unexpectedly. One was Tom Duncan, he was a pastor of Fellowship Methodist Church down in Bozier, and then uh, Richard Bartell, who was a pastor out in West Texas. Richard and I went to college together, we were in BSU together. And both of those guys were just a little younger than me, uh, but they, they were healthy, just kind of at the, at the top of their game, high of their ministry, and uh, Tom went into septic shock, and died just very suddenly. Richard died as uh, complications after he had a heart attack, and uh, they thought he was going to be all right. They did some stuff to him. They thought he was okay, and then all of a sudden, bam, he was just, he was gone. Now, I thought about those two guys who were, you know, still in the prime of their ministry in a lot of ways. And uh, I think, well, you know, they're gone, you know. I'm still here. The only thing I can say is apparently they finished what God had put, him, put them here to do. Uh, so it's just something to really make you think. To really make you think, uh, we're all we're all terminal, and so this experience of Hezekiah uh, really I think woke him up. Uh, you really he realized he had to use the time he had left. Now Hezekiah was just a human being; wasn't perfect. And we'll see next week. We're gonna look at chapter thirty-nine uh, next week. We'll see something that happens there that uh, he was he was a human being, you know, but He was one who basically, his heart was after God. Striving after God, trying to do that which was the the right thing to do. So, whatever time we have left, Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Number our days. Realize that every day, every day that we get up, it's a new day. It's an opportunity to serve. It's not just another day. It's a unique day we get up every day, to ask ourselves, what will I do with this day God's given me? What will I do with this day? Uh, I heard somebody quote uh, David Brainerd, who was a great Christian missionary and writer from previous generation. And he once wrote in his diary, he said, Lord, help me to make, make an impact totally out of proportion to who I am. I thought, wow, what a prayer to pray. Help me to make an impact totally out of proportion to who I am. So people know that it's, it's really God, it's really God. So powerful story. And I do think that uh, what was happening in his life was also a picture of what God was doing. He was saving the city of Jerusalem, giving them an extension of life. They had opportunity. But think about America, think about America. How many more chances is God going to give us as a country? Uh, we are at a, a crucial, crucial time, and I, I feel more and more strongly about that all the time. Uh, so uh, we more than ever need to be faithful, we need to be people of prayer, uh, praying for our nation, and uh, we just need to we just need to share the gospel because without spiritual renewal, there's no hope. There's no hope. All right. But you got anything to share tonight? Good word. <laughs> all right. Well, let's engage in some prayer. I want to remember uh, Ken Lee and, and uh, his family in prayer. Ken, Loss of Ken's mother, uh, Emily Winberry Lee. Uh, there's going to be a graveside service for her tomorrow in Magnolia, Arkansas. Uh, so I remember, lift up Ken in prayer. And also, uh, Donna Parker. She is having surgery this Friday on one of her eyes to relieve the pressure from glaucoma. So uh, we need to be much in prayer for her. She's got a pretty serious situation going on with her. Her eyes there. Okay. Others you want to pray for, a prayer requests, praises, whatever you want to share tonight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dan uh, Dan Waters, uh, Randy's been asking prayer for him. Randy was able to go last Sunday, though, and witness to him and talk to him a little bit. He wants to do that again, so let's pray for Dan. Dan's receptiveness. Okay, we're well, good. Good. Let's pray for our school system, uh teachers, staff, students, come back tomorrow, right, Wayne? Y'all ready? <laughs> and Jennifer, yeah, <laughs> and Lacey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hey, lots of prayer, pray for everybody to stay safe, I mentioned that in my little article today, just pray that everybody stays safe and that everything just proceeds in an orderly manner. All right, others? Oh, yeah, my, my Uncle Lewis, uh, he had, uh, had surgery today, uh, that went well. I think he's spending probably. Well, I think he was going to go home this afternoon. Yeah, so. But my uncle Lewis, remember him? Hey, anybody else? Pray for Sunday. Pray for a great day of worship here as we come together. Okay. Anyone else? Y'all you know, kind of short on prayer requests tonight. All right, well come join me at the altar if you'd like to, and uh, we'll lift up some of these requests. I'm gonna start us off, and then. Uh, I'll just open it up to anybody who'd like to lead us in prayer. You feel free to pray. Maybe just uh, one request you want to lift up, one particular thing you've got on your heart. So uh, however you feel led. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and just uh, bow before you. Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for our family here, our spiritual family. Lord, it's such a special place. We pray, Lord, you continue to bless us as a church as we press into the future, Lord, to give us wisdom give us direction that we need. Father, I pray for our school system as the children come back tomorrow. Father, I pray that everybody stays safe. I pray that everything proceeds in an orderly fashion. Ask, Lord, that your hand is on our school system, Lord. Father, I pray for our nation right now. We are just in such a fix. We're in such a mess. Father, we wonder sometimes just how many more chances you'll give us before your judgment falls. Father, I pray for spiritual renewal to break out. Father, sometimes it's in the darkest times that, that light can shine the most. But Father, I pray you raise up people, help us to be men and women of courage, to stand up for our faith, Lord. Father, I pray for our leaders and pray that they will turn to you and seek you. Lord, there's so many needs that we have in our church family, Lord. I pray for Ken and his family, and the loss of his mother, ask for a comfort for that family, healing for that family. I pray for Uncle Lewis, Lord, I ask you to bless him. Uh, Father, I pray for Donna Parker as she has this surgery coming up Friday. And pray for her eyes and the serious situation she's been dealing with there. I pray for Lynn's family, for her mother, for her aunt, and ask you to be with them. Father, I pray for Beatrice, too, and the loss of her mother recently. There are so many other needs here, Father. I pray for for Dan Waters, Lord. I pray that you work in his life, work in his heart, Lord. Thank you for the way Randy's been able to share with him. I pray for Marilyn. pray, Lord, that as she... Uh, here's a word next week about what the doctors need to do. I pray that, uh, that you're in that, Father, and you give direction to whatever it is they need to do to help her. You know, there are a lot of other needs here tonight, Father. Maybe they're not spoken out loud, but you know every need before we ever speak it, Lord. But Father, we give you honor and praise and glory. We we'll look forward to a great day here in your house Sunday morning. Uh, as we come together, Lord, help us to come together in joy and celebration of what you've done for us we continue in prayer, Father, we do all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and praise you for being here among us tonight. Thank you for being our God, our Savior. We look forward, Father, to meeting you here Sunday morning for a great day in your house. Thank you for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Sing sanctuary. Lord,